Support for the Most Accurate Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TMAP at manscaped.com. Again, that is 20% off with free shipping when you use the code TMAP at checkout on manscaped.com. Say hello to your new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money, Underdog Fantasy. They offer season-long best ball contests that you can do from your phone or your computer. With best ball, all you need to do is the fun part, draft. Forget about injuries, trades, waivers, and setting lineups. Just set it, forget it, and wait for the winnings to come in. This year, they have a $1 million tournament. That's right. Just draft the best team, and you have a shot at $1 million in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today and enter the Best Ball Mania for a chance at $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or searching for Underdog Fantasy in your app store. Be sure to enter the code 4 for 4 that's the number 4, F-O-R, number 4 again, after you make your first deposit. Welcome to the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gelhar. Today's intro song was, of course, September by Earth, Wind & Fire, released as a single back in 1978. That song always puts a smile on my face, and I hope it puts one on yours as well, because we are in September, and it is finally week one. We made it. Somehow, someway, NFL football will be played this week. And with football returning, that means the fantasy football season is finally here in earnest. No more studying. No more drafting. It's actually time to play. So this episode will largely be focused on waiver wire targets to think about heading into week one. Later in the week, uh, we'll have a matchups focused episode for you. But even though your drafts are over, um, a lot has changed and there are tons of ways to improve and buff up your roster before the games even start. So joining me for this episode, she's the co-owner of her own fantasy football site, a researcher for the National Football League, and most importantly, the world's number one Zach Moss fan. It's (laughs) Michelle Maju, Michelle, welcome to the Most Accurate Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I cannot believe it's week one. I know. It feels surreal to be here right now. Two days away. uh, And we get a great game. I think that's why we're all extra excited about, you know, this Thursday night game last year. It was Green Bay and Chicago kind of boring. Like, I don't think that Watson and Mahomes can possibly deliver a boring game. Maybe I'm jinxing it. Yeah, I mean, let's knock on some wood quick, but uh, the last time those two went toe-to-toe, we had two epic, you know, point swings with the Texans taking that massive lead and then Mahomes coming back and winning it in the playoffs. So, fingers crossed for some fireworks. You are right that uh, Green Bay-Chicago game to kick off last year was quite a snooze fest, but hey, as a Packers fan, I was happy with the result, so... Uh, that was nice, at least. But, yeah, but uh, nobody wants to watch Chicago. Like, I was not excited for it. No. Green Bay's not the boring one under that matchup. It's Chicago. It's, it's never true. a fun matchup. Uh, well, anyways, we got a lot to get to here with the waiver wire. Plenty of guys. Um, not Zach Moss, though. I'm sure in any league you <laughs> or I are in, we've probably both rostered him. I know I've got him in a couple. Oh, but, I have uh, them all. In all of them. I'm not surprised that your exposure to Zach Moss is, is nearly 100%. But... First, we got a couple news updates that we'll get through here, uh, and then we'll toss it over to the waiver wire. So, 
Damian Harris, uh, off-season superstar in the hearts and minds of a lot of fantasy analysts, lands on injured reserve, kind of surprisingly. Uh, he had had hand surgery to repair an injured pinky, but there are reports that he could be back by week four, potentially. Uh, that means it's probably going to be the old guard of Sony Michelle and James White. Uh, did they both receive a bump in your eyes, Michelle, or and how much? And are you trusting either of them in week one? So I think this is my issue with Sony Michelle. I understand that he, you know, he didn't do too well last year, but he was being drafted higher. So now all of a sudden, people think since he's being drafted in the double-digit rounds, he's for some reason a better value. But if you couldn't start him last year, it doesn't really matter how early or not you drafted him. He still isn't a good fantasy option. So I'm still not looking to draft him. I think James White is really the play here. You have Cam Newton who, you know, targets the running back position. At least he did to Christian McCaffrey. And no, James White isn't CMC, but I do think he'll use him a ton. And I, I, Maybe he'll get those rushing touchdowns that he got in 2018. Uh, those went back down in 2019, but let's hope those can go back up this year. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm kind of with you. Even though even though Damian Harris is now an injury reserve, I still don't really want to trust Sony Michelle, um, especially with Cam Newton there now, who could call his own number or get his number called in the red zone. Sony Michelle just feels like a very, very low floor play. You know, he'll get you mm-hmm. maybe 40 to 60 yards on average, but. That's really not enough to take to the bank in fantasy. I think you're, you're spot on with James White there. Um, speaking of injuries, Mike Williams appears to be a game-time decision for week one. If he's out, the Chargers wide receiver depth is frighteningly, horrifyingly thin. <laughs> uh, do guys like Joe Reed or Jalen Guyton, uh, the next guys up, interest you at all uh, against the Bengals? Or is this a position group you're probably steering clear of? Yeah, no, I think this just helps Keenan Allen just get more targets. And then Hunter Henry, I think this gives him a nice bump up. It's a nice matchup. Uh, And then maybe Austin Eckler will see more targets as well. I just think it brings all of those three guys up, but I'm not touching anyone else. Like, I'm not going to get cute with any of these other wide receivers in this group. Yeah, there's that's not even the type of guy I'd feel comfortable with uh, throwing like a dart at or, you know, kind of punting as a wide receiver three in, uh, in DFS or anything either. So... I think it's a, it's probably right to just stick with the stars until Mike Williams comes back. Um, and speaking of the Bengals, the matchup for the Chargers this week, A.J. Green looks set to start, but there are rumors he might not receive a full complement of snaps as he works his way back from a hamstring injury. Are you trusting Green enough to start him this week, or are you possibly looking elsewhere? No, I'm not trusting Green. A, I'm not actually rostering him anywhere because I just, you know, with his injury history, playing with a rookie quarterback, we're all super excited to see Joe Burrow play, but he hasn't had any preseason games. We know that wide receivers usually struggle in fantasy with rookie quarterbacks. I think that's just too many things that A.J. Green has to fight against, so I'm staying clear of him, especially to begin the season. Let's see how it works out. Maybe A.J. Green and Joe Burrow build this great connection, but I want to see it happen before I plug him into my lineup. Yeah, you know, I think Burrow's the real deal, and I was getting high on A.J. Green much earlier in the offseason, which, you know, just feels like an eternity ago, uh, what we've all been in quarantine. But then he got the hamstring injury, and, you know, missing time and early reps with uh, your rookie quarterback, I think, could really lessen that connection. It might even hurt them even more in that regard. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not looking to green right now, but I am going to be watching this Bengals offense closely to see how they look and, uh, and, you know, make a appropriate adjustments moving forward. Uh, and the Jaguars last piece, piece of news here have listed James Robinson as the starting running back. So this is kind of a bigger question for the whole Jaguars backfield right now, uh, after the departure of Leonard Fournette, but James Robinson's listed as the starter. Uh, Chris Thompson is obviously there, reunited with James Gruden, and we've got uh, Devine Azigbo hanging around as well. 
are any of these guys on your radar for week one or are you steering clear of this group as well? I'm staying clear of the straight up running back. So the James Robinsons, the Divine Ozigbos, but I am interested in Chris Thompson just because of the pass catching. Um, you know, he should get the targets in this game. I, I think we expect Jacksonville to be down in most games. So I just really don't know how many carries James Robinson really has, even though he's listed as the starter. And I do think he's going to have to split with Ozigbo. So what does that mean for James Robinson? Is his ceiling 10 carries? Like, and it's on the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. <laughs> like we saw James, uh, we saw Leonard Fournette struggle on the ground last year in that offense. I'm not excited about this group. I will take a shot on Chris Thompson, but not the other players in this backfield. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the right way to look at it. Thompson is maybe the only one you want to play this week, especially as you mentioned. I mean, you know, much love to everybody down in Duval, but your defense is is got some holes and uh, mm-hmm. figure they're going to be playing from behind a lot. I think James Robinson is probably worth uh, an ad, not to jump the gun on our uh, our waiver wire discussion here, but kind of want to wait and see how this shakes out because, as you said, if his ceiling is only ten t- carries, like ten carries on a bad team that's going to be playing from behind is not going to be very appetizing from a fantasy football perspective. Yeah, absolutely. All right, before we jump into the waiver wire, i got to take a quick second to talk to you guys again about Manscaped. If you've been listening to the podcast now, you know we've been been pitching it hard over here at 444. They are the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. As I've said before, they've got all the products you can need, and not just to groom yourself below the belt. They've got shampoo. They've got other things. Basically, it's just a great site to go to and get everything you need to take care of yourself, which is important during quarantine. You can't let that slack off. So if you use the code TMAP at checkout, you can get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that's TMAP for 20% off and free shipping. Be sure to go check out all of their products. I've said before, I love the shampoo. My hair's gotten long in quarantine. It's been great. And the Lawnmower 3.0 is just excellent. And also, need to tell you guys quick about Underdog Fantasy. It's one of the best places to play best ball leagues. And if you aren't familiar with best ball leagues, you got to get in them. There's no more worrying about setting a lineup every week. You just draft your team, and it is set and forget it for the rest of the year. You can enter all sorts of leagues, and Underdog is just the best platform right now. They've got ADP, and it's good to learn and get an insight as to where people are drafting with these leagues, as opposed to maybe mock drafts where people are dropping out after a few rounds. With the underdog ADP, people are staying in through the end, so you really get a true sense of how all these players are valued. Um, Michelle, have you have you dipped into underdog at all? Or are you a fan of the best ball format? I have not tried it yet, but I have been told by many people I need to get on there, so I need to do that before Thursday hits. Yes, absolutely. So check it out at underdogfantasy.com, uh, or just the best way to do it, look for the underdog app uh, in your app store on your phone. Download it, get going. It'll be a great tool to help you win more this season. All right, and speaking of the season, thank thank the go- the lords, the gods, the football, whatevers. They've all smiled upon <laughs> us, and we're actually having the season kick off this week. So, Michelle, I just want to kind of have a broad discussion here first. What's your approach to the waiver wire before week one? You know, are you looking to, to drop people maybe you took speculative ads on? Are you trying to save people for upside? How are you approaching the waiver wire before week one hits and then the insanity truly begins? You know, so many of my drafts, I wait until this week, right? So I have two drafts tonight. So I'm not on the waiver wire too much before week one. But I did have a couple drafts uh, earlier this summer. And I went back to go look and I saw like Keyshawn Vaughn on there. And I'm like, oh, oh, good Lord, I need to uh, find someone else. So when I'm going on there, I'm definitely looking for week one plays. 
right? I mean, obviously, if I see someone with a great potential that's still out there, like a Brian Edwards, we'll probably get to him later. That's someone I'm going to think about the future. But I'm really looking at players that can break out in week one, win me that week, because I know I'm going to keep changing these players out on my bench. Uh, Every week I'm looking at the waiver wire. There's going to be people to drop. So I really just need this week one player if I need someone to start. Yeah, I think uh, it's not a bad way to look at it, too, is especially if you're trying to stash for upside and it's not somebody in as clear of a situation as, say, Brian Edwards, who we will dive into later. But it's tough to tell. And week one every year, it wild things happen. Like, you look back yeah. at week one, come week 17, you're like, wait a minute, like, the Buccaneers beat the the Saints, like, a couple years ago? They, they like, crushed them in week one, and you look yeah. at all these wild results, and then everything starts to even out a little bit. So it's tough to try and forecast too much from it uh, unless the situation is clear but I think it's a good way to there are certainly always week one matchups maybe that we can count on a little more we'll dive into some of those for wave wire picks this in this week one so I'm usually looking for plays and, and maybe one or two guys to stash but it's also tough because if you picked up a guy in your draft who you believe in uh you know what's who's to say that the other guy on the waiver wire is going to still have more upside Mm-hmm. But speaking of uh, week one in the waiver wire, let's turn to some of the available players for week one, starting at quarterback. I'm just going to run through some of these guys and their uh, roster percentage and their matchup, and then we can dive in and you can you know lay out some of your favorite picks and I'll do the same. So starting things off, all the guys we're going to talk about today should have usually less than at least 50% ownership or roster percentage on yahoo.com. Um, I know obviously leagues are going to be different. Some, some guys might not be available in your league, but that's kind of the bar we're looking at here to try and give as many people listening as possible, some options. So kicking things off, we have Kirk Cousins, who's home against the Green Bay Packers. He's rostered in 38% of leagues. Gardner Minshew, the mustache himself, rostered in 27% of leagues, and he is playing host to the Indianapolis Colts. Both Teddy Bridgewater and Derek Carr are available in most leagues, uh, and they are playing each other, Carolina and Oakland, respectively there. Tyrod, Tygod Taylor, is uh, available in 92% of leagues, and he has a date with the Cincinnati Bengals. And then Jimmy G is largely available as well. So, Michelle, any of those quarterbacks slash matchups catching your eye for week one here? So I like a lot of these. You know, I'm probably going to stay away from Kirk Cousins. I just think a divisional matchup. Uh, Green Bay's defense is always so finicky. You never know if they're going to show up this week or not show up. So I think that's going to be a lower scoring game and probably a Delvin Cook type of game. So I'll stay away from him for week one. And any of these quarterbacks I'm picking up, All I care about is week one because there shouldn't be a guy on your bench, especially like a stash play like this. So I'm only looking at week one. I'll see my favorite one that this quarterback is going to be out there is Jimmy Garoppolo against Arizona. I'm not actually a massive Jimmy Garoppolo fan, especially in fantasy, but against Arizona last year, he scored 29 points and 30 points in his two matchups against them. They, they allow a lot of points to the quarterback always, and I, I like this matchup for him. I think George Kittle is going to eat against that Arizona Cardinals defense that allows a ton of points to the tight end position. Uh, Devo Samuel might be coming back for week one. I know his wide receiver group isn't looking pretty, but Kyle Shanahan just gets his guys open, and Jimmy Garoppolo will have people to pass to. So I actually really like him if you're looking for a week one start. Let's say maybe you drafted Daniel Jones. That's going to be a rough matchup for him for week one. So if you need a different quarterback to start, I like grabbing Jimmy. No, that's a good call. Uh, not only did he play well on those Arizona matchups in the past, but um, he's got a very favorable early start to the schedule, too. Um, his first couple games are against some rather suspect defenses. He has Arizona, then the Jets, then the Giants, then Philly, then Miami even. 
So that's a, a nice run there where he could potentially, you know, put up some good points, especially if that 49ers defense regresses a little bit from its elite level last year. So I think Jimmy G's an, Jimmy G's an excellent call there as a waiver wire. The matchup that I am a big fan of uh, this week for streaming quarterbacks or maybe even DFS plays is the the Teddy Bridgewater Derek Carr head to head. Like I was saying um, off the top there, this has one of the higher over unders of the week. Um, the last line I saw was 47 and a half for this game. So I think it could be have some high scoring potential. Neither team right now either has like a great defense. So I think this could be a sneaky shootout. And and these two offenses, you know, Derek Carr just got an injection of youth at the wide receiver position with Henry Ruggs III and Brian Edwards. Teddy Bridgewater is going to be running that Matt Rule offense, and he's just got weapons all around him. So I kind of like either of these guys. I'd probably favor Teddy just a touch because they're mm-hmm. at home and he doesn't have the long road trip that Derek Carr does. And plus, he's got a little more experience alongside him at those skill positions. But I think both guys are, are certainly in play this week. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how Derek Carr does with working with all these young wide receivers. Like, how quickly do they really form this great offense? Because I, I do think Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs can be, and Darren Waller can be great options for Derek Carr to have a really good season and maybe even be fantasy relevant this year. But how fast can they start to click without? you know, the normal preseason games, it might take a few games. So I would probably stay away from Carr, but I like where your mind's at, like, especially in DFS, yeah, you know, go for it. Uh, and then I, I see you have listed here, Gardner Minshew, if he's available, he's actually, so I did just say, don't stash a quarterback on your bench, but I like, like stashing Minshew on your bench because with his rushing ability, with that defense being so bad, I just think they're going to be in garbage time almost every single game. And Minshew's just going to have to pass like probably at least 600 times on the season. DJ Chark is one of my favorite wide receivers uh, this year. And I think that connection could be pretty. And I think Gardner Minshew could actually be a reliable uh, starting fantasy quarterback throughout the whole season. Yeah, I am a fan of Minshew uh, a lot in general this season. And with you, I'm a big fan of Chark this year. I think he could just get showered with targets all season. I don't necessarily love this week one matchup with Indianapolis's defense. I feel like yeah. this is that's going to be a tough one. They just added some good pieces in the offseason, like getting DeForest Buckner. But um, I think you're right. You look at his upcoming schedule, too. He's got Cincinnati, Houston, Miami, uh, Detroit on the docket in the next, all before his week seven bye. So, could be some really nice matchups to exploit there if you can grab them on your bench uh, for this week. Uh, so those those are most of the picks. Uh, also, Tyrod Taylor, you know, he's got that Konami code appeal. Um, so I think there's there's certainly upside uh, if that game turns into a shootout. You know, if Joe Burrow hits the ground running, but the Chargers defense is good. So I have a bad feeling that Tyrod might not have the volume we want in this week. He's probably a safer floor play than some of the other guys. Yeah, and he also offers the rushing stats. So he's, he's safe, like you said, and... If Burrow can somehow come out and just start killing it in this league immediately in week one, I do think Tyrod Taylor uh, could be a really great option if he has to score some points to beat the Bengals um, team. Yeah. All right. So looking to running backs now, we've got some familiar names here kind of at the top uh, and throughout, and then a bunch of uh, other kind of random rookie guys that, that might be worthwhile looking at week one. So we've got Chris Thompson, uh, aforementioned uh, Jaguars running back now, a 41% roster percentage against the Colts. Boston Scott uh, from the Eagles, only 39% roster percentage going up against uh, the Washington football team. Darrell Williams for the Chiefs, 25% roster percentage. He gets Houston, obviously, in that kickoff game. James Robinson, the quote-unquote starter for the Jaguars, 20% ownership against the Colts. 
Bryce Love for the Washington football team at 10% ownership uh, against the Eagles. Jarek McKinnon, longtime fantasy football fan, uh, had some bad luck with injuries. 10% ownership percentage against the Cardinals. And then this last one is kind of curious, but we really don't know what's happening in that Bears backfield right now with David Montgomery's injury. Uh, Ryan Nall, 0% roster percentage on Yahoo Leagues and going against the division rival Detroit Lions. So, Michelle, who out of this list is jumping out of you as a possible week one pickup and play? You know, right now the running back group just looks already really rough for waiver wires because it's sad. It's so sad. (laughs) I mean, everyone wants all their running backs, right? So in the draft, they just get taken up so fast. And that's why everybody wants to draft running back, running back early on. When you're looking at this list, I mean, Chris Thompson, I actually do want him on my rosters and I am fine starting him in week one in full PPR leagues. Uh, Indy's not the best matchup, but if we expect Jacksonville to be down, then I expect them to be using Chris Thompson in the passing game. Leonard Fournette last year at 100 targets. We know Chris Thompson is that receiving type of back. Uh, it seems like Jay Gruden really likes him and wants to use him. Uh, and it sounds like in practice he was kind of the goal line back as well, which surprised me. But I'm fine with starting Chris Thompson in week one. And, you know, you're going to find out very quickly if he's used a lot in this offense. So we'll get our answers immediately. And that's what I like off of players I pick up off the waiver wire. Yeah, for sure. I think the nice thing with Chris Thompson is we know he has that history with Jay Gruden, too. And uh, he had 50-plus targets in four straight years prior to coming to the Jaguars. And the nice thing is, I think, with him, too, um, remember you watching those games when he was with Washington, he would, whenever Washington was down or it was like a two-minute situation, Thompson was just in there constantly. And if all of our kind of prognosticating is right around the Jaguars, they could be in a lot of catch-up situations. So Mm -hmm. Thompson could you know, maybe see like a 60 to 70% playing time percentage. It seems crazy for a back of his size, but if they're down quickly and by a lot, that could that could be the case. One of the running backs I really like, I, I don't feel great about him for week one because I kind of want to see how the backfield shakes out, but it's Boston Scott with the Eagles yep. um, going against Washington. Everybody was obviously very high on Miles Sanders after what he did in his limited run last year before injuries and, you know, Jordan Howard kind of got out of the way. But when Sanders was injured, um, Boston Scott came in and put up two top five uh, fantasy weeks thanks to the volume and scoring opportunities that Eagles offense provided. So if Sanders isn't 100% back from that hamstring injury or he aggravates it, we've seen year after year after year after year running backs sometimes having those hamstring injuries dog them throughout. There aren't a lot of other options in that Eagles backfield, and Scott proved he could handle the load last year and was good in the offense, and I, I think he could step in and do the same thing. So I like him as potentially like a – a low-end flex play um, moving forward if both backs are healthy, but he's a great guy to add right now. He's available in over 60% of leagues. Yeah, I really like him in DFS as well. And if you're in a deeper league, a 14-, 16-team league, and you need a flex player, I actually don't mind Boston Scott in week one. I mean, we would expect the Eagles to be able to beat the Washington football team, and maybe they get ahead fast. They don't want to push it with Miles Sanders' injury, because why would you if you're up? And Boston Scott could see a lot more work. And either way, uh, there's not a lot of pass catchers there for week one. We already have Alshon Jeffrey out. We have Jalen Rager out. Uh, so I do think, like you said, even if Miles Sanders does play, even if they're, it's a closer game, I do think Boston Scott can get those targets. I think he's a really great option in full PPR leagues. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm a big fan of him there. Who else uh, from the running back position, if anybody is jumping out at you for week one? 
Uh, well, Bryce Love is a no-go. I think he'll be inactive. I actually really love Bryce Love, so it, it hurts me to say that. I don't even think he'll dress, though, for the game. James Robinson, I really, for some reason, I'm just not on this train. I don't really want anyone in that backfield besides who we already talked about with Chris Thompson. I think Jarek McKinnon could be interesting, right? I mean, they did sign him back in the day to be their guy. Uh, I'm a Raheem Mostert girl. I think he's <laughs> going to dominate the backfield as much as you can in San Fran. Uh, but Jarek McKinnon, uh, he's interesting. We'll see what his role is in week one. If he gets that pass catching type of role, even though they really don't use running backs in that type of way, uh, then he definitely becomes a better option. He'd be one of those type of players that you pick up, put on your bench, see what, see what happens. Uh, right. And then if he's not used in week one, you can, you know, drop him for your next waiver wire pickup the next week. And if he is used, then you have a piece of gold on your bench. Yeah. This is one of those instances where, uh, you know, I don't advocate for people to watch a lot of preseason football because it is often bad and boring, but for fantasy purposes, it can be pretty um, informative with a guy like McKinnon. It would have been nice to see him on the field doing some of those football things we haven't seen him do in a couple years and reports out of 49ers camp where that he was like uncoverable out of the backfield. So if he were somehow to carve out like a Kareem Hunt esque pass catching role in the 49ers mm-hmm. offense, that would be a player I'd be very interested in. But as of right now, we didn't get to see him on the football field. We really have no idea how this backfield is going to shake out. So it, like you said, it's probably better for a wait and see approach with him. Um, you mentioned Bryce Love might be inactive. I'm just fully waiting for Peyton Barber to have like two touchdowns on five carries for Washington, <laughs> I know. and just to see yeah. all of fantasy Twitter lose their collective minds. Uh, that'll be that'll be a great Week One uh, gift if the the football gods give us that one. Um, but yeah, I think I'm with you. Otherwise, uh, I think Daryl Williams. It also would be like a wait and see. I, obviously, they've got Clyde Edwards later there, but Daryl Williams is the team's best uh, pass blocking back. He's a bigger guy, so maybe he gets some goal line work. Tough to say, um, but just generally, if there's a decent piece of the Chiefs offense who might be seeing some work, not terrible to have them on your roster. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we did get to see him in a starting role last year in a couple games, and he really wasn't that great for fantasy. No. Uh, he had his a couple moments and like a touchdown or so, but that's kind of makes me not care to pick him up. But obviously, right. if anything ever happened to Clyde Everett's Hilaire, he would be a great pickup. Yep, depth there is an issue in the KC backfield. Uh, jumping over to wide receivers, we've got one big name at the top, and I can't believe he wasn't drafted in more leagues, but I guess, you know, when you're over 30 and change teams again, maybe that happens. So Deshaun Jackson, still only rostered in 47% of Yahoo leagues, uh, gets the Washington football team and should absolutely torch them this week. Uh, Paris Campbell, 20% uh, roster percentage, gets Jacksonville. Uh, he's a second-year player for the Colts, in case you don't remember his name. Brian Edwards, as we already mentioned, for the Raiders, only 17% roster percentage uh, taken on the Panthers. Randall Cobb for uh, the Houston Texans, 10% roster percentage, getting the Chiefs in the kickoff game. Miles Boykin, 6% roster percentage. He is a Baltimore Raven second-year player going up against the Browns. And then James Washington, uh, kind of the forgotten man in that uh, Pittsburgh passing attack with Chase Claypool's mini-emergence. But I'm curious to see what you have to say about him, Michelle. So, uh, aside from Jackson, feel free to weigh in and if you want to dive on him, but I think it's it's pretty cut and dry that he should have a great game. As we mentioned, the Eagles have no pass catchers. Washington, really not the greatest uh, defense, but which of these wide receivers do you have your eye on for week one? Yeah, and I think if you need to start somebody, like if you're picking up a waiver wire pickup and you need to start them, Deshaun Jackson is obviously the pickup. Uh, if you're looking at someone to keep on your bench, 
uh, that could break out later on in the year. Uh, it's, it's going to be one of those guys you pick up and you cannot drop him after week one because you can't just expect him to have a fantastic week one. It's rookie Brian Edwards. Uh, we've just heard amazing things about him throughout all of camp. Derek Carr seems to really already have a great connection with him. I actually expect him to be one of the best rookie wide receivers this season, but we've seen it takes time. I mean, we're all in love with AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. But that still took time last year. Uh, so if you're going to pick up Brian Edwards, you have to be patient with him. Uh, and then, like you brought up, James Washington is someone that I cannot believe does not drafted more often. Uh, the second half of last year, he was a top 25 wide receiver in fantasy. Uh, had some really great games. And now we get Big Ben back. And for some reason, Deontay Johnson and Juju and that whole offense gets excuses for last season, but then James Washington just gets thrown to the side, even though he had a pretty <laughs> decent year. It's like, well, he also was playing with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Like, maybe give him a break as well. Uh, James Washington is the Steelers' deep threat. Big Ben loves his deep threats. And the last time Big Ben played in 2018, the Steelers weren't using Washington in that way. Washington was a rookie. He was in running in, like shorter routes, which is not his forte. They finally allowed him to go deep last year, and he was fantastic. I expect James Washington to be that deep threat in that offense. I actually really like him this year. And then they get the Giants in week one, and the Giants' defensive backs that they're throwing out there in week one are brutal. Uh, you have Logan Ryan, who gave up the most yards in the NFL last year. Their two corners that are starting uh, gave up the second and the fifth most yards per coverage snap. And then their starting safety, one of them, gave up the fourth most yards uh, in the weeks that he started last season as a rookie. So I expect, uh, you know, a couple of these wide receivers for the Steelers to go off. And I do think Washington can have a couple really nice deep plays. And if he scores a touchdown, it's going to be a nice week for you. You know, I've been on a bit of a James Washington roller coaster this offseason because I was starting to, to buy into him with, with Ben maybe coming back and being healthy. But then, you know, there was the Chase Claypool emergence and thinking about Deontay Johnson and Juju are probably ahead of him on the depth charts, depth chart still. So kind of getting off him. But then, you know, you're winning me back a little bit. That <laughs> um, certainly is an, an appealing matchup. And as long as Big Ben's elbow is good, you know, they've been whether they've been telling us the truth or not, it sounds like it, he's he's healed up and should have another good good season in the tank. Um, could could be good. Could be a real good pick for for James Washington. I'd be I'd be rooting for him. There. Yeah, and don't get tricked by the camp notes because Claypool has had just as many shaky days as he's had great days. But you only hear about the great days. And Washington has had a fantastic camp as well. He's just not a rookie, so people aren't as excited and talking about him. Yep, he he doesn't quite have as much shine as Deontay Johnson does as a second year player, and he's no longer a rookie, so he's just kind of he's just kind of there yep. right now. But exactly. hey, he's putting in the work, and he could have a big season. Uh, while we're on the topic of these big deep threats, I'll just give a, a little shout out to Miles Boykin, and we can jump into some of these other guys here. Uh, so Boykin is a second-year player with the Ravens. He's big physical receiver. He's been getting rave reviews out of camp, uh, and I think he could be a nice complement to what uh, Hollywood Brown offers as a as a shorter, speedier deep threat. Boykin is a big guy, can win those 50-50 balls, and he's obviously catching passes from Lamar Jackson, which is a great thing. And I think this Ravens team was very run-heavy and reliant on that last year, but they almost always had the lead. So if their defense regresses a little bit this year, which it could, maybe they get into more shootouts, Lamar has to take to the air more, Boykin could be a guy that really steps up 
and uh, see some good work. And week one against Cleveland, it's not not the world's worst matchup, but I think he's a bit more of a stash than a play this week. Yeah, definitely a stash. I'm not on the Boykin train. I am all about the Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, and I think there probably isn't enough targets to go around for a third guy in that offense with how much they run. I totally get you, though. I get Miles Boykin's talent, and if they're down more often, then they'll have to pass more often. I totally get your mindset. And he's yep. definitely a decent stash, but you're just going to have to be patient with him like you are a Brian Edwards, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, for sure. I, I think Boykin is a better stash. I don't think I'd start him this week, but I just I see the upside with that offense and figure why not if I've got the space. Speaking of Brian Edwards, though, I wouldn't be opposed to starting him uh, this week I think if you were in a, a deep league that's deep enough. Saucy. Obviously, obviously, there's some concerns, you know, rookie first game didn't get preseason. But Edwards was a, a terrific player at South Carolina. I think he's their all-time leading receiver in yardage and, and a number of other crazy stats. And he, I think, profiles more into that the Tyrell Williams typical X receiver role where he'll be running all the routes. He should be heavily involved. And as I said earlier with the quarterbacks, I think this game has sneaky shootout potential. So I don't think it's crazy to think that Edwards gets you know somewhere from 7 to 10 targets in this game. And what he does with them remains to be seen, but... I certainly think he, he could be in the mix over some guys that might be in worse matchups, you know, like those Giants wide receivers against the, the Steelers defense. Really don't, love, don't yeah. love that matchup for them from fantasy uh, with that pass rush that's going to be hounding poor Daniel Jones. So <laughs> I think I think Edwards is, is certainly in the mix this week. You're not as bullish on him for week one or you just kind of want to wait and see. I would rather wait and see. But like you said, I mean, it's always going to depend on options. If your options are Sterling Shepard or Brian Edwards. I'd rather take the shot on Brian Edwards because we've already seen Sterling Shepard's ceiling isn't too high anyways uh, against that defense. So against the Steelers defense it makes it even worse. So I would be fine with Brian Edwards. I think it's bold and I probably uh, would be too nervous to advise people to do it, but I love it. Like I would do it on my personal rosters. I mean, I can't say I would probably put him in there with the most confidence. I'm sure I would stare <laughs> at my lineup page for at least an hour on Sunday morning before I finally, you know, gave him the full go ahead. But uh, I, I think he's in the mix. What's your read on Paris Campbell this year in Indianapolis? He was a guy that the team had really high hopes on last year, got injured, uh, couldn't really quite get his footing in year one. In year two, he is fully healthy now. He had a minor concussion after a car accident, but he's been cleared from that. And the team has been giving him rave reviews as well. Are you into Paris Campbell? Are you more of a Michael Pittman Jr. fan? Or are you just not interested aside from like the T.Y. Hilton in this passing attack? Yeah, I think the Michael Pittman, you know, signing or them drafting him kind of ruined it for me for Paris Campbell, at least for 2020. We don't know who Philip Rivers is going to prefer to pass to. We don't even know if anyone else besides T.Y. Hilton and maybe the tight end, maybe Jack Doyle, will even be fantasy relevant. I think Pittman and Campbell kind of eat into each other's targets, eat into each other's snaps. I don't feel confident going one way or the other. I do actually prefer Michael Pittman Jr. as a talent. Uh, but I could see Paris Campbell being that type of wide receiver that uh, Rivers prefers, you know, kind of like that Keenan Allen type. Uh, obviously not as good as Keenan Allen, but uh, I think it's all going to come down to how healthy people stay, right? If T.Y. Hilton is healthy all season, I think that's bad news for Paris Campbell and fantasy. Now, if Hilton gets hurt and he has been hurt, you know, at least last year and he's getting older, then that's great for Campbell. And if you want to stash him in hopes that, not in hopes there's injuries, but in case there's injuries, I don't think it's a terrible stash. Uh, I would just look elsewhere, though. Like, I would rather do Boykin. I'd uh, much rather do Edwards. And then there's just some other rookies I would rather take a shot on or second-year guys than Paris Campbell. 
Yeah, I think uh, you hit a lot of good points there. One thing we also have to remember with Campbell is, in addition to maybe there not being a ton of targets going around, this indie team could be pretty run heavy. They've yeah. got Marlon Mack still, and then they went and drafted Jonathan Taylor in the second round. They've got that great offensive line. And as much as I love Phillip Rivers, his arm the last couple of years hasn't looked the same as it used to when he was just slinging it to Antonio Gates and Vincent Jackson and everybody and throwing for 30 touchdowns a year. So there certainly could be a case where even though Campbell is a very good factor in this offense, he's just not seeing the touches or targets necessary uh, to really warrant a starting spot in leagues. I like the talent. I like trying to read the tea leaves of their of the offseason there, though. They seem to be big fans of him. So he's more of a, he's more of a stash candidate for me as well. I won't be shocked if Naheem Hines is the second target leader on that offense. Yeah, that's oof, the sec the, behind T.Y. Hilton, <laughs> Naheem Hines. That is a spicy take right there. I do like Naheem Hines a little bit this year, but uh, I just that's an offense. I want to see how it looks with the in additions of Philip Rivers and Jonathan Taylor. You know, yeah, I I think they might still give the ball to Mack a bunch, but I, I have a hard time seeing Taylor not winning that backfield. By I like, know. I love Jonathan October Taylor. And I He's wish so he would just get the carries immediately week one. I totally understand how coaches work. And I know Marlon Mack's going to get probably most of the carries in week one it's going to be it's going to make me angry because Jonathan Taylor you could just see he's the better all-around player but I do think maybe Naheem Hines can get in there on third downs and we already know Rivers loves to target his running back position I just I just think everyone else is going to have to split targets besides T.Y. Hilton that if Naheem Hines hits 80 90 targets I do think he could be the second most targeted player in the offense yeah that's that's very fair all right, let's jump to tight ends and wrap up our waiver wire look here. Uh, some of the ones, uh, some good names that are available uh, with decent streaming option matchups. Tyler Eifert has found a new home. He still is healthy in Jacksonville going up against the Colts. We've talked about that matchup quite a bit here. Uh, Irv Smith, second-year tight end for the Vikings, 15% roster percentage. He goes up against the Green Bay Packers. Logan Thomas, former quarterback, now a tight end for the Washington <laughs> football team. Just 1% roster percent percentage going up against the Eagles. And then Jack Doyle also has quite a low uh, – I didn't put him on here at first, but I'm glad you did uh, – quite a low roster percentage. And uh, given that Trey Burton is on IR now and um, Eric Ebron is no longer a Colt, uh, you're liking Jack Doyle this week, I take it, Michelle. Yeah, I am. I mean, Jack Doyle is a safe play, right? And I think that's okay for tight ends. Now, when we're looking at other positions, I do like to be a little bit bolder and go for that ceiling play. Tight end position, you're going to be lucky to get 10 points out of your tight end. It's just how it is. So if you get 10 points, you're happy. And I do think Jack Doyle has that opportunity this week. Uh, we'll, we'll see him for the first time with Philip Rivers, who likes to target the tight end position. And... Like you said, Trey Burton's on IR. We have Michael Pittman there with little experience. Paris Campbell's missed a little bit of time. So I like Jack Doyle this week. I mean, he wouldn't be like, I'm not plugging him in like excited about it, but I'm like, okay, like he's not going to ruin my week. So I'm okay with plugging him in this week. No, I think that's a, I think that's a good call. I, uh, with Eifert, I, I like the situation. There aren't a lot of great pass catchers behind DJ Chark in that offense. Um, They've got LaVisca Chenault and Chris Thompson and stuff, but Eifert is a is a proven player, and if he stays healthy and sees decent volume in that offense, I think he could have some appeal. I, as far as like streaming play goes, though, I think I'd rather take a stab with either Irv Smith or Logan Thomas, and you didn't seem into Logan Thomas, so we'll come back to him in a second. <laughs> I didn't mean to but, laugh at him. <laughs> no, it's good. It's I mean, it's a hilarious situation that the guy was drafted as a quarterback a few years ago, and... Uh, and he was converted to tight end a couple a year or two after that, and now he's uh, the number one tight end for one of the 32 NFL teams. It's crazy. Um, but first, the case for Irv Smith. 
So Irv Smith was a, as a high draft pick for the Vikings last year. Didn't get a ton of work, though, in the passing game with Diggs and Thielen and Kyle Rudolph and everybody there. But Diggs is gone now. The team did draft Justin Jefferson to pick up some of that slack, but Rudolph's getting a little older, and Irv is the type of really athletic and dynamic tight end that I think can give teams fits. And one of those teams we saw get given fits by such tight ends last year was Green Bay. You might remember like George Kittle making some big plays against them. And I think like speedy athletic players can kind of work their way through if they find space in the Green Bay linebackers and secondary. So without really any anybody established as the clear cut number two behind Adam Thielen uh, in terms of targets in Minnesota, there's certainly a chance Irv could get up there or at least just see enough work as far as streaming tight ends go. Like you said, you're hoping for like 10 points. Mm -hmm. If he gets a couple catches and, and finds his way into the end zone in a PPR league, then you're golden there. So I don't I don't hate Irv Smith this week. No, Irv Smith definitely has the highest potential out of anyone that you're going to find on the waiver wires. I, I think I wouldn't feel comfortable plugging him in because he could, you know, it could be a Kyle Rudolph week. It could be an Adam Thielen week. We're, we have yet to see how this Vikings offense is going to be now that Kevin Stefanski's gone. Do they run less? Do they throw more? I think for Irv Smith to truly break out this year, they're going to have to have more passing attempts. Uh, even with Diggs gone, you know, Thielen missed most of the season. So I think those kind of just equal out. And I expect Thielen to see more targets than Diggs did last year. Uh, so I, I'm excited about Irv Smith's potential. I just need to see how that offense works before plugging him in but i right. i like grabbing him off the waivers or hopefully you can do that in week two if you, you see that they're passing a little bit more for logan thomas and tyler eifer i mean you're just going to need a touchdown right if they that's get a touchdown that's i mean that's kind of the plays you're going with there you just want a touchdown i don't want to play them whatsoever and hopefully week one you're not already in that position right like yeah. who, who did you draft at that bad already that you have to look at those guys so hopefully you know you can stay away um if you need to play one of them i guess tyler eifert yeah it, there, neither is a is a wonderful option to be starting you know if you're in a deeper league or you're looking to punt on the position at dfs and dfs i think throwing a dart at these guys is, is potentially okay but you know if you're in a situation where maybe you waited on a tight end and your your starting guy is Mike Kosicki or Blake Jarwin or one of those other really, you know, hot late round tight ends. Pick one of these guys up in case your late round tight end gambit didn't work out. Then you've at least got another shot in the in the field with potentially a high upside guy. So, yeah, these are these these players here aren't uh, I shouldn't be locked in uh, top 10 starters <laughs> at the position, but if you're in deeper leagues, you know, it, the position dries up quick if you're in like yeah. a 14 team league and if you missed out on one of those other big guys, you you're going to be scraping the, the bottom of the tight end barrel there and like you said just praying for a touchdown. Yeah, so, I mean, if Chris Herndon's still out there, he's probably a lot more owned than these guys. Yeah. Uh, he's someone that I would be picking up. And I, I'm i willing to have two tight ends if I can stash Chris Herndon. I would even play him in week one. I'm fine with that. Yeah, well, you uh, Herndon's a great great player to have. I've tried to get him in some leagues, especially because that um, pass-catching core for the New York Jets is just kind of like oh, ravaged by injuries yeah. right now. Mims is injured. I think I saw Perriman was back, but he might not be 100%. And they don't have a lot else behind Jamison Crowder. So Chris Hogan, you Chris, started Chris, Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. One. Yeah, I saw that he might be a, a week one starter for them, which is just wild. But Herndon, we've seen flashes of how good he is and the talent he has. I really, really like him this year. So if by chance he is on your waiver wire, definitely go pick him up. Uh, all right. Well, look at that. We can't believe we made it through everything else. You know what? I didn't actually include any of these in the article, but why don't we throw in a bonus? Are there any streaming defenses you like maybe that weren't one of the top targeted ones? to uh, throw out to the listeners there in week one. 
just you kind know, of putting I'm you on the spot on this because it wasn't in the rundown, but we'll we'll see how prepared Michelle was for this episode. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know exactly who's going off the board first, but I really like the Chargers this week. We've already discussed that. Um, facing Joe Burrow. I, I, I sound like I'm a Joe Burrow hater, but I'm really not. I'm really excited for him this season. I think he's going to be great, but I, week one against that Chargers defense, that's a really hard matchup. I think they could have some sacks, maybe some, you know, cause Burrow to make m- some mistakes, fumble the ball, get some interceptions. So they're actually one of my favorite plays this week. If you're playing in DFS, I'm sure they're not on the waivers. Um, Tampa Bay. Uh, no, I guess against New Orleans, not so much. Uh, <laughs> I do like okay this is a wild one the detroit lions yes i was just looking at them i was wondering if you were going to say them the detroit lions against chicago against trubisky starting let's see how much nick Foles is in the back of his head right that he knows if he messes up nick Foles is coming in is that good for him or is that bad for him and everything we've seen out of trubisky so far in his career i feel like it's probably going to be bad for him uh i'm not rooting for him to struggle or anything but the detroit lions defense even though they're lacking uh, a lot of talent, I do think against Trubisky, it'll probably be a low-scoring game at least, so you're not getting a lot of points against you there, uh, and maybe they can make Trubisky make some mistakes. No, that's I love that pick. They're also at home. I really, you know, this is thing I'm curious to watch in week one because they don't really quite know how to value home field advantage in mm-hmm. terms of the crowds because everybody's going to have, like, the same decibel level weird crowd noise. But I do think there is something still be, to be said about the teams that are waking up in their own beds, going there, their normal routine. You know, athletes like this are creatures of habit. So Detroit has the benefit of being at home in this weird week one, and they are playing Trubisky, and only 6% roster percentage. Uh, The Chargers, actually, your first pick, only 46 roster uh, percentage on Yahoo Leagues right now. So probably out there in a lot of leagues. They are one of my favorite teams to grab as well. Uh, The Eagles are also a great one, but they're more highly owned, 64% roster percentage. Uh, some of the teams I'm definitely staying away from in terms of streaming defenses, like Dallas and the Rams. I don't want any part of those defenses in what would be just like yeah. a, you know, an eight. They could put up 80 points on uh, that Sunday night game, and I wouldn't be surprised combined. Um, I don't hate Green Bay against Minnesota. They have to go on the road, but Green Bay's pass rush uh, just dominated Minnesota's offensive line both games last year. And uh, particularly that second game, I mean, it was just the Zadarius uh, Smith show. I think he had three or four sacks that game. And Minnesota really hasn't done anything to address their offensive line this year. So it could be more of the same with that that Green Bay pass rush just getting home. And then, you know, you at least get a couple sacks and you hope maybe uh, one of those, the ball pops out and they can pick it up and uh, run it home for a touchdown. But, well, there we go. We just improved a few uh, streaming defense picks at the end as well for the waiver wire. So, uh, Michelle, thank you so much for joining the show. This was uh, terrific. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what you're working on and, and you know, give a now is your time to platform to pitch anything you want. I had to, to pitch, uh, you know, men's below the belt grooming earlier, and now you can pitch everything you need to. Here. <laughs> I was wondering if that was awkward for you with me being on. I don't, I don't know why that would be, but uh, I was thinking about if I ever had to do that read and like, uh, I was thinking about my dad listening to the podcast. That'd be <laughs> awkward. <laughs> but anyways, you can find uh, all of my work over at ballblastfootball.com. Uh, that's where we post all of our content. You can find the link to our podcast. It's called the Ball Blast a fantasy football podcast. I do that with me and my wife. Uh, and we post a couple ep- episodes a week. Uh, right now we're just focusing on redraft, getting into week one. It's been very exciting. Uh, but you can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all those, all those spots that you listen to your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Ball Blastem, Ball Blast E-M, And pretty much anything I do, I, 
uh, post it on there. So if you have any questions at all, you can reach me over on Twitter. Yes, Michelle is an excellent Twitter follow. And for all of the Zach Moss propaganda you could possibly want, uh, that is the place to find it on Twitter. All right. Well, thanks again, Michelle. Thanks to everybody for listening. Good luck in week one. Be sure to listen to the matchup show later this week. Uh, Subscribe, download, rate, review the show as well. Please use those reviews. They are a great help to us as well. As usual, I'm your host, Alex Galhar, and I'll see you in week two. 